Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, guys, welcome back to another show on the Agent Investor Podcast. I mentioned um, maybe a month or two ago that we're going to start having some format changes here. Uh, going back six months, seven months, a year ago, I would just have investors, agent investors from all across the country, have my, um, you know, have the person that books my shows just, you know, put on whoever they thought would be a great guest. And a few months ago, we decided to start incorporating people in my own local market that I work directly with. And I've got a guy here today that I've known for probably, oh man, it's not quite 10 years, but probably edging up on 10 years from when we Definitely. first. Yeah, I know. It's it's crazy. Um, Ennis. And um, so I want to talk a little bit about kind of like your past, your history, what you've done, because you've really... You've made a lot of ground in the last just probably like three or four years. But, yeah. you know, we talked about this and before we jumped on the, the program, you didn't start your career even in the United States, right? No, no, I, I, I moved here in 2004, as I shared with you. So that's really, you know, when I got in the country and I, the real estate was just not something I was thinking about back then. Uh, so, so yeah. You were, how old were you in 2021? 21. Yeah. Where did you come from and, and why did you come to America in, in 2004? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, so I'm born in, I'm originally uh, from Albania. I was born in Albania at 14 years old is when I moved to Italy. Um, this was 1997. Italy was, uh, you know, way better. School system was much better. And I had family living there. Um, so my parents signed me up for high school in Italy. So that's where... I moved, uh, lived there for seven years. Um, and then in 2004, there was an opportunity to transfer here for, uh, for school, to come to college. Um, so I was going through the first year there and, and then I could, I could transfer to the United States. So, you know, that's, that was a dream come true for me because way better opportunities. That's, you know, you think of the United States as this, you know, amazing country that's going to give you a lot of opportunities and in a better lifestyle um so what 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 made you because i mean you know europe obviously has a lot of good things going for it too so what was the, the mindset to be like okay i'm in a european country obviously you know pretty high standard of living and pretty good education and stuff like that like when when you got the opportunity to, to come to america was it like an automatic, like I have to do this type of thing? Or was it a debate to say, like, I'm getting used to living in Italy and stuff like that? No, it was automatic, at least for me, you know. So and and you got to keep in mind also being, you know, from Albania, living in Italy, you are not a Italian citizen. So you are definitely also looked at as, you know, a, a, an outsider, um, less opportunities. People will judge you. It's just part of what happens, you know, in Europe. And uh, so, no, I didn't think twice. I'm like, hey, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity, I'm taking this. So you were 21 when you came here and, and that was specifically to go to college? Yeah. Yeah. And where did you go to school? Uh, Endicott, up in Beverly. Oh, wow. Okay. So you came like 
right to the North Shore, right out of the gate. Yep. That's yep. interesting because like Endicott. Small college. <laughs> yeah, small college. Like, truthfully, I didn't even know Endicott until I graduated college. Like, I didn't even know Endicott was even a school. And that's very local to me yeah. until then. So what did you major in? Business. So, yeah, uh, business administration. So you got here when you were 21 and then did, were you done at like 24, 25? 24, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so actually 2008 is when uh, I graduated and right off the gate, uh, we ended up buying a restaurant, uh, me and my brother. Uh, there was this older gentleman, an Italian guy um, in Quincy, North Quincy on Billings Road. And uh, so the, the restaurant that was up for sale and we we're like, you know what, it's uh let's jump into it instead of looking for a job we have always had this entrepreneur thing going on in the family my parents did the same thing with different businesses so we just you know we weren't looking for a job at that point we just wanted to run a business yeah so when you were going to college and you were you know going through getting your business degree you had no intentions even at that point of getting like a regular job um yes and no you know, look at other people going into internship and I, I did a couple of internships. It just wasn't, you know, something that I really enjoyed. Uh, I, I knew that's the route where we most people were going, right? And they were looking for a job and getting job offers and stuff. But I was more excited about um, starting something that was ours, you know, and, and growing it. So now you had never had any restaurant management experience, right? Zero. That 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 was yeah, no experience in 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 the restaurant business or as a cook or a chef or anything like that, you know, right. which is the crazy part. Um, but the other thing, Tom, is I at that point I brought my parents over, uh, and my parents, um, you know, in their when they moved over, they were in their early fifties broken English and all that stuff. So it was a struggle for them. So they were working in the restaurant business. And one of the reason to get into that, we said, you know what, why are they working for other people? They're making minimum wage, struggling with different hours. Let's them, let's bring them into a business that we can run together. Um, so that was also the, a big push uh, for us to, to just kind of, you know, work together make sure that they are comfortable because uh, they were struggling. Um, you know, my dad is a civil engineer back home and he was here and just washing dishes. Right. So it was a big uh, difference for him and, and my mom. So I guess, and I don't know the answer to the story because you were, you were on stage the other day at our conference and you were talking about it and kind of saying how challenging it was to run a restaurant, but I mean, how did it go in the beginning and, and throughout the whole process? That's one thing I learned early on is not to open a restaurant. Oh man, it's uh, it was insane. I, I I shared that with you on stage, but no, it was uh, the hardest experience, uh, the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, this whatever I go through in real estate, even on the worst days, right, dealing with contractors and all type of issues that we deal with, um, it doesn't compare to the restaurant business. It it was oh seven days a week, twelve hours a day, um, every day, right? Even I mean holidays, I think maybe we close two or three times a year. Um, those, so yes, the, the physical stress, right. Because you're there every day, um, uh, the mental stress, because I'm trying to grow the business and now the whole family is employed. Um, and then you bring, you know, employees in the mix and they were mostly young employees, you know, so they wouldn't show up and, and all that stuff was, um, I learned a lot there, but it wasn't something I would, I would really engage in again or, or start again. It's, um, a lot of stress plus the family, um, 
environment, right? Where some, you know, a parent wanted to do one way and I'm doing the other way. So now you had that contradiction too. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> really tough. Long, so how long did that go on for? Five like, years. Yeah. Okay. So you, so, so I don't know the exact where I met you, but I feel like that's about when I met you. Like exactly right. Yeah. Right after we sold the, the real estate, uh, I'm sorry, the business, um, the, then, then we, yeah, we started looking into getting into real estate. One of the first guys I followed that became friends with was Justin Silverio. Uh, Justin, obviously good friend of, of you and Bill. And so I'm not sure if just, uh, yeah, he probably introduced me to you or somehow no, no, shared no, no, content. No, 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 no. I, I remember. I remember. Really? Was I remember it the, the other way around? <laughs> no, no. I remember exactly how I met you. Uh, Corey Malconian brought you to our office. Okay, got it. it was Corey? Then. Okay, I was doing a training. So is that 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 would be right, right? You knew Corey, right? Yes, yes, okay. that sounds about right. And actually, Corey will uh, will confirm that. Yes, because <laughs> good point. Okay, no, Corey, but I know Justin also mentioned you guys. So, but I was mistaken. No, no, that's okay. I wasn't saying it to correct you. Um, more like Corey's a funny guy, and I know not everybody on this podcast will even know who Corey is, but. Corey's like the ultimate connector. Corey, um, he knows everybody. He talks to everybody. Yes. And I'm really surprised at who Corey knows from like top to bottom. Like he's the type of person who, you know, if there's somebody famous at a, at a bar, he'll be the one walking up to them to like say hello. So he doesn't care. Uh, but yeah, I remember you came to one of my trainings and I remember you were talking about getting into real estate investing and stuff like that. And um, you, you didn't at first, right? Or, you, or did you? I don't remember, but it, did, it didn't take me long before I jumped on board with Cameron. Um, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know if it was right away, but it was very, very quick after that. I don't think, it, yeah, I don't remember exact timelines. The restaurant business, so definitely was a good income. Um, the, it was a cash business, so all of that was good. But like I said, the hours and... And managing a team of 15 or 20 employees, that's that's just not something I was up for. And I couldn't scale that business. Um, I, I just couldn't see myself scale the business to a point where I could take time off um, or, or do anything like that. So, you know, I got married in 2012 and I and, and had a conversation with my wife and we both agreed that, hey, this is not a business that is going to allow me to have a family life as well you know um, what, what made you say real estate because this is the thing that like yeah me, like i read rich dad poor dad and i was like immediately like okay this is the thing but what made you say this is going to be the thing moving forward the uh, we were following you know bigger pockets was early it was young back then uh but we we're definitely uh was my brother that had mentioned bigger pockets to me so i had um I'd listened to some of the podcasts and, and read some of the books and, and things like that. And I was definitely drawn to the idea of having cash flow, you know, come from our rental properties or come from rental properties. And uh, so that got me really excited because it was the opposite of what I was going to, I was doing at the business, right? At the restaurant, I was physically there managing day in and day out in order to, to generate a, a, a paycheck. Uh, rental real estate. And that's why I got in the business. I didn't get in the business to do new construction or fix and flips or wholesales. I really got in the business to buy real estate and hold it long-term. You know, I like the idea of the um, rents coming in every month, you know, the mailbox money. So I think we're, we're probably falling into like a very similar category where it's like, 
and this, I feel like this happens with everybody. And I'm actually curious to get your opinion on this. Like you don't get into the business to fix and flip, you don't get into the business to do new construction. And yet that's a lot of what you do. Right. But yet your, your vision is to get the passive income. So I have a theory on this, but I'm just curious, like, why do you think you're doing so many, you know, fix and flip projects, new construction? I mean, I see projects you're doing and I see the photos and I'm like, I won't even do a project like this because it, it's, it's too much work. It's but too much why? work. It's um, well, so, you know, I've learned this from you where it's, we are in the lead generation business, right? So um, now we're talking to a lot of people, approaching a lot of people. And once we go on those seller appointments, get a contract signed, what do you do with it properly, right? You got the option of keeping it as a rental, uh, but rentals in our area here in greater Boston, single families, the numbers don't work. So it doesn't make sense owning and keeping it as a rental. Uh, you can wholesale it, which we're doing a lot more uh, lately, but the fix and flip has been the route that we took to generate a profit, right? And then take that profit, put it as a deposit on a multifamily building. Um, and that's why we did our first fix and flip. I mean, even you know, going back to 2014, when we started, we we were looking for deposit money to buy a rental building. And we're like, how do we generate that? And I think this is the thing that oftentimes gets, gets missed, especially with agents where agents will say to me all the time, I don't want to fix and flip. I don't want to wholesale. I don't want to do these things. But then they say, well, I have no money to, to buy a, a property and go, well, you, you kind of just answered your own question, right? Like you've got to get, I mean, yes, you can do deals with no money and we teach on that and whatnot, but buy and hold, it's a little bit tougher, right? Because you do need some sort of way to get that down payment, some sort of way to, to get into that deal. So the first deal you did in 2014, you just did a flip or a wholesale and then just bought a multi with it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our first fix and flip was in Wayland. Um, direct mail, uh, a call came back and the guy was in Florida, older gentleman. The house in Wayland was vacant for years and we ended up paying more than we, we should have uh, ended up spending more on renovations that we should have and uh, broke even, uh, you know, we actually, we might have lost a little bit of money, but then with my commission as an agent um, on that deal kind of broke even. So, you know, six months later, uh, but it was, was good experience. I was um, yeah. That first one was, was very stressful, learned a ton and hopefully we didn't lose a lot of money. Yeah. Well, you, you've already told two stories about mistakes, right? And running the restaurant, being really tough, you know, you almost kind of, you didn't say this outward, but like, almost like, you know, wasn't what you would probably redo. But I, I, I always don't think that way, especially with that. And then the other thing is I always look at it like, and my partner and me, we disagree about this all the time. He'll look back 10 years and go, here's the 10 mistakes we made. And if we didn't do these 10 things, we'd be like 10, 10 miles higher. But I, I actually just don't think that's how it works. Like, I think, okay, let's say that you came to here and you didn't open the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Could you have gotten right into real estate? You could say maybe, but you may not have, right? And then you may have ended up getting a job or the, yeah. the, deal, the deal you did in Wayland. It's like, okay, you lost money. But after you did that deal, obviously with your own mindset, you're like, oh, I know what, it, I know what caused me to lose money on this deal. If I change these two variables, I'm going to make money. 
Absolutely. No, it's, and that's where, you know, that's why it's great experience, right? That I think it's painful initially, but that going through that pain and you get through the other side stronger, you know, and you learn from it and, you know, hopefully we don't do the same mistakes next time. Uh, But I agree with you. I think following that real uh, restaurant business path, I think it got me even closer to, to real estate. That was, that was funny because we had some clients coming to the restaurant they were mortgage brokers and these guys would, you know, they would drive fancy cars and dress up super nice. And I'm like, what are these guys doing? You know, what, what do they do? Uh, and, and this was right around the 2008, 2009. And when, you know, uh, the, the real estate crashed and they were showing me some triple deckers in Dorchester for a hundred thousand dollars, you know, and uh, <laughs> I, so when I, when I first started investing, um, I met with a home investors franchisee named Jimmy Jordan, who you may have met or not met, but, he very blue collar him and his brother and he had just got done finishing a roof and go, Oh, what, what were you doing? He goes, Oh yeah. Buying these um, three families in Dorchester and um, they work really well. You know, we pay $120,000 for them. And he's like, yeah, they make a couple thousand dollars a month and you know, we're doing really well. And I remember thinking like, how am I not doing this? That That's how I left the meeting. I'm like, this guy is like doing all the manual labor, doing everything. I'm like, I need to get into this. And then shortly after I did, but so you, you, you had the restaurant experience, you lost money on your first flip. And then like, again, going like at that point, was there any point at that point where you were like, well, maybe real estate, real estate's not the thing I should be doing? No, no, honestly, since we started, I I don't think that Look, we all have our bad days, right? There's, you get punched in the face a lot of times. Uh, it's a roller coaster for sure, even on the investing side. Uh, but never got to a point where I would say, you know, this is it. I wish I never did real estate. Or um, no, you know, it's I've been really looking forward to to the next thing and next thing and and growing the business. Um, so I never had that, you know, big struggle moment where it's like, hey, let me get out of this. Hey everyone, this is Tom Caffarella. I want to quickly interrupt the podcast to number one, thank all of my loyal listeners of the Agent Investor Podcast and tell you guys really quickly about an exciting event we have coming up. Uh, It's a two-day event. It's called the Passive Income Real Estate Investor Event um, that you can find out more details at PassiveIncomeEvent.com. We're going to be doing a two-day training session teaching all of the agents and all of the investors at the event on how to achieve financial freedom through real estate. If you're like me and your goal is to not work 80, 100 hours a week grinding, selling real estate, flipping homes, um, definitely check out this event. We're going to teach you how to build a passive income portfolio so that you can retire, so that you can work when you want, how you want, and ultimately achieve financial freedom. So again, go to PassiveIncomeEvent.com for more details. And we look forward to seeing you at the upcoming event. Yeah, so for anybody who's like listening, and again, I said this to you kind of like, you know, at the outset, you know, you you came here from another, first of all, you, you went to two countries. You didn't just go to one, right? So, so you're, you're going to one country where you said you're an outsider, right? And then you go to another country where I, I mean, America is very accepting overall, mm-hmm. but you had to have felt the same way in America to some yeah. extent. Too. Yeah, um, there's just no way. I mean, it's just it's harder. Period. 
it's harder to do everything if you're from another country because you don't have the contacts that, you know, you don't, I, I talk about my story and I'm like, I didn't have anything, whatever, but I still had contacts. I still knew how the country ran. I still knew all the basics. So one thing for anybody, two things actually for anybody who's listening first, the, the, the degree of difficulty with what you've done is much more challenging because you're not from America. Second, again, just the mindset thing where I asked him if there was a point where he wanted to quit. The answer is no. And we haven't even talked about what you've done. So we've talked about a couple of things that you kind of didn't do well on, but kind of fast forward us because you talked about keep taking the next step. Right. What did that look like for you? And then, you know, where are you at today? Well, what happened next is keep pretty much keep pushing on, on the lead generation side and, and getting to learn that. I think that's where, um, I think that was the right thing to do back then for us. And we didn't realize it back then, but fa the fact that we focused on generating off-market leads, getting good at direct mail, getting good at going on seller appointments, learning from people that are ahead of us and doing this, that's what helped us because we made a ton of mistake on the construction side. We made a ton of mistake mistakes calculating, you know, the, the, after repair value, right? The exit number on properties, but because we bought off market, usually that was the, that, that, that saved us. Um, and then put a lot of our profit into the business. Uh, we didn't get paid probably for the last three years. Um, it might've been closer to four years, but we didn't get anything home uh, and we'll stop. I don't know if I would do it the same way, but you know, it was just uh, our family was just like a one income family. My wife was the only one bringing cash out. Um, and so I was investing in the business, but really not getting anything in return, uh, you know, back home. Right. So, but that helped the business grow because uh, now, you know, from that point on, we started generating more and more leads uh, and then hired our first employee. Uh, and that was kind of the moment where the business really felt like a business because at, to that point it was just me and my brother, um, you know, me and him partners 50, 50. And um, yeah. So with that first hire, it felt like a real business. We had to step, step it up. You know, obviously now you have to train, you have, you have to lead employees. So it, it puts you in a position that you got to get better yourself to professionally. Uh, and then from that first employee, now we are at a point where it's, it's 10 of us, you know, 10 employees plus me and my brother. Um, and, you know, so it's everybody's full-time into real estate. Uh, I'm a general contractor, you know, we, we fix and flip, we build new construction, we're wholesaling, own rental properties. Um, yeah. Where obviously we have the team under Cameron on the on the uh, agent side, and um, have our own you know office space here that's brand new. It's three thousand square feet, and you know we we love. Yeah, I, I want to know how do you have better office space than me? <laughs> I, still, I, I still have I still have to go there, but I, I'm I'm getting very jealous because I've seen this a, a few times, like uh, um, pictures and stuff of you holding uh, a bench there, and I'm like, damn, like I'm still in this like old yeah. office and. My my office itself is like a ten by eight room basically, and it's just it's so it's so funny. But I'm I'm so lazy with that stuff. Like I, my my office is in between me and Bill's house, and I'm like, I don't know if we can get any better because we both have a ten minute commute home and um, everything set up. But your office looks amazing. Well, with what you guys are building now, new construction, maybe you know next building that comes up you know you, you you put a commercial building on the first floor or something like that we keep thinking about that and it always comes down to like it, it's our time is better spent 
focusing on the business. And, yes. and, um, and so we just keep, we've just been doing that. Like you said, you know, parlaying everything and, you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff, just dumping it back in. So, um, so again, we, you talked about in the beginning, like getting to that passive income component, where do you stand with that? And kind of like, where do you want to go? Um, it, so we are at a point, so right now we have 60, just, just shy of 60 doors, uh, between all the rentals, um, a couple of commercial spaces, but mostly it's residential real estate. Um, and obviously it's bringing good cash flow in. We have the proper management in-house, um, definitely want to get to a point where, um, our building, just like you guys definitely following you know, your, in your steps, but, uh, new construction, right? Because I, I we realize that everything that we're buying, it's so old that it keeps breaking. Yeah. Um, and it looks exciting upfront and, and it matches, you know, let's say the 1% rule or, you know, the cash on cash return might look okay when you're purchasing it, then things break, then you got vacancies and you got all type of issues with evictions. So it might look good on paper, but once you own it for a while, then it, you realize it's not something you're proud of, right? It's you know, not a building that you would keep forever. Um, so we are moving slowly towards new construction, multifamily real estate. Well, well, you know, what I'll say to you is I see the projects you're doing on the fix and flip side. Some of those are harder and it, it might be hard to believe. Right. But when I, like we, I'm looking at some of the stuff you're doing and I go, wow, like I remember doing stuff like that and it's harder. It's harder because when you're doing like an apartment building, you can hire professional people, a professional company versus like, you know, you know what you're dealing with trying to get a, a three family in Dorchester that like is halfway burnt down, you know, fixed. Yeah. So hundred percent. No, I, I, and I believe that we got a project right now, Tom, that's a 34 unit. Uh, that's going to be our first ground up new construction of that size. Um, and, and we're uh, on track to break ground in March. So um, that, that's the direction we want to go. Hopefully that goes well. The, that, that one is in Hyde Park. But um, if it goes well, you know, we'd love to do more of those. And not necessarily in the city of Boston, but um, if we can get to, you know, three, 30, 40, 50 unit buildings, new construction, that would be um, something we'd be interested in. But um, yeah, we're at 60 doors looking to get to 100 next year and, and go from there. Nice. So what's kind of the you know, you've been doing this for, for a while now, I guess, what's the biggest piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's kind of at the beginning phase? Um, well, commit, commit to real estate. If that's something you want to do, take action uh, and learn the lead generation business, uh, because that's what this business is all about. I mean, yes, you know, uh, we talk about houses and real estate and multifamily, but honestly, at the end of the day, it's a lead generation business. Um, and, and if someone can do that, if they can do the door knocking, the cold calling, you know, the, the talking to people and, and finding these off market deals, I think that's, um, that's extremely, extremely important. So I talked to a lot of people just like you, you know, we, we have this, we started doing these classes actually here at the office for people just starting out. Uh, and I tell them just, if you are here, just, you know, put your effort, make sure that you take action, do that one thing. Um, and you know, just, you know, make, make real estate work for you. Right. But you can't be, um, you can't wait for a deal to fall in your lap. You, you got to do the lead generation activities. And so what, what's the objective for you with running all of the events? Cause I do see you doing all of that as well. Um, objection, meaning 
No, like the objective for you doing Oh, it. the objective. Um, oh, um, honestly, just, you know, the, the networking. It, it, it has been really good to connect with all, you know, all type of different people. We have got employees um, from the meetup groups. We have got, you know, money partners from the meetup groups. Um, it has been, you know, people bring us in the deals. Um meaning you know they they find a deal they want to partner they bring us in so it's been great for lead generation but honestly just giving back right i got a lot from you i got you know a lot from guys like justin uh as as it's my time to give back yeah 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 no i i feel the same way like we we do get a benefit from it but i i think the bigger benefit is just the giving back um not that you know any of us are, are saints or completely altruistic but you know, cause you do get a benefit. You do raise some capital. Oh, here. Absolutely. You do get some deals here and there, but, but I, I think when you're, you put out the weighing scale and you say like, who's getting the bigger benefit, the attendees or the host, it's probably the attendees, but, but that's okay though. I mean, you know, to me, it's like, I don't know if it's helping people or just kind of like sharing your knowledge or, I mean, it's changed my life. I mean, I know it's changed yours too. And it's like, cause you know, right. When you came to America, and I know for me, when, when I first started, it's like, you don't know who to go to for anything. And you're, you're fighting like to, to, to just figure it out, like to, to see like, and, and I've, I, I went to, I don't know if you've had a similar experience, but when I was trying to figure it out, nine out of 10 times when I would go to get help or come to an event or whatever, like I would get the wrong information or someone's trying to sell me a product or it's like, you know, someone's trying to tell me to do a multi-level marketing thing, or it's like, and you just don't know, like, and, and, and that's why, like, I feel like when somebody comes to like my event or your office or whatever, it's like, they're getting, whether or not they implement it, they're getting the right guidance that they need. Yeah. And that's, that's my goal with that, you know, and, and I tell, um, I tell them that the same thing when we get together, Hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not a guru. I'm not here to, to sell you on anything. It's I'm just sharing what, what worked for me and what's not working for me. And hopefully you, you take a couple of things and implement it in your business. Um, but it has been, you know, it's been really good for me also to put myself out there. I'm, I'm an introvert by nature, hated the crowds, always had a hard time speaking in public, really, really hard time with that. Uh, so to be up up there, to be on camera, to be in front uh, of a meetup group to talk, that just got me out of my comfort zone. And I think has helped tremendously in that side. How, how do you feel about that now? Like, do you still feel like it's challenging to you or do you have you kind of like, ma- not mastered it because you're not going to master it, but like, do you feel comfortable at this point? Yeah. So it, it used to be a nine out of 10, as far as like level of anxiety, you know, it's just like, I can't say a word and my heart was beating to like now being maybe a two out of 10, right. But you still, you know, you're still a little nervous about how you're going to be perceived and, you know, I, and, and I overthink, right. I, I'm, you know, like the other night we had people here um, and, and um, you know, I was just thinking, is this enough? Is this good value to, to the crowd, right. I, they're spending mon- mon- Monday night here with us. I want it to be something that they, that's valuable to them. So that makes me a little nervous. Uh, and, but it's getting better. Like I said, from a nine out of 10 to two out of 10, it's not bad. Yeah, no, I mean, you know how I would, I would look at it completely differently if I were you, because you care. And so when you care, you're going to deliver, you know, good value. It, it's really the people who don't care that are the problem. And, and again, I've yeah. been enough of these where, like, I remember, you know, going to a rich dad, poor dad, 
conference in like 2003. And I remember, you know, obviously, you know, people who are training or coaching, they need to make money too. But I remember showing up and sitting in the seat and no information whatsoever, no, how do you succeed in real estate from like the second that it opened, it was just a hard sell. Honestly, like, I don't even know what they were trying to sell me because they weren't showing me how they were going to even help me. So, um, you know, I think if you're going into it with good intentions and you know what you're talking about, so you're, you're, you're definitely going to be above anybody who walks into that. So it's like, you can definitely help. Yeah. And that's the goal. Uh, yeah, no, appreciate the feedback. I'm, I think I'm too harsh on myself sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? Again, that's another common trait of successful people. It's like, if you're, if you're thinking everything you're doing is good, then there's probably a problem. So, yeah. you know, we just, we just capped off that, that two day event. And, you know, I met with our team after, and the first thing I start going through all the things we can do better. And I, I, stopped, <laughs> I stopped myself 20 minutes and I go, guys, just to let you know, like, I, I have to say this, like everything went really well, but my brain is automatically what could have been done better. And and sometimes I have to stop myself because when you're leading a team, people don't want to hear how my mindset is like, right. I I think they, they delivered. I think they, they delivered big time was very professionally done. Well put together. They did. And that's why 20 minutes in, I'm going, wow, like everything I'm saying probably sounds like I thought it was bad, but it was all stuff that like, you know, if I'm giving a presentation or I'm doing an event, I want you to tell me what could have been better, not what I did good, but what I can do better. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the audio next time they can, they can mess up, you know, they, (laughs) I know that drove you crazy. (laughs) Wait, wait, what? The audio, you know, you had the mic. Oh man. Well, yeah, you know, because like, Here's the thing, you know, you're up there, you're talking, you get into a, a, a good mode, a train of thought, and then the mic just kept cutting. Um, yeah, I said that, but you know, that wasn't my team. That was the DJ. So <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I can't blame anybody for that. I mean, um, so, but yeah, so I mean, you know, what you've done, and, and again, it's been to watch what you've been been doing. And this is this is you're the perfect example, right? I talked about this at the event of like stuff being exponential. And, um, and not linear. And, you know, when, when you, when you first started, we first met, like you were doing some stuff and you were probably running as fast as you could, but you were like, you know, going slow, you were were running as hard as you could, but you could only go at kind of a slow pace. Right. And and it's, it's just so interesting because like in the last two years, like you've gone really high, really quick. You know, again, you talked about like, like when did you hire your first employee? 2000 and 2019. Right. So 2000 and say 13 to 19 took you six years to hire one person. Now you have 10 people. That's and, correct. And, and that's just like, that's the hard thing when we're up there and, you know, I'm up there and I'm, I'm talking to people and people want to get great results and I want to give them good results and I want to get great results. But it's crazy how like, you're like battling and battling and battling and like, oh my God, things just got way easier. Yeah. And, now, and now you have a 10 person team and you've got the 60 units and you've got, you know, a, a, a retail team and you are, are doing a bunch of fix and flips. And it's like, it's just crazy. Cause it, it's, it, it looks, it really probably looks like if somebody met you two years ago, three years ago in 2019, they're probably like, damn, Overnight success. Overnight success, right? <laughs> but, but, but in reality, it, so, yeah, it, far from the truth. 
it started because you still like it started before you came to America because you were like, I'm coming to America to get more opportunity. So it's like that. It was like the mindset in 2004 or five. Yeah. Now it's 17 years later. And, and it's a little bit depressing that it takes 20 years, but it, yeah, it's just what it is. You know, that's what it is. You got to put the work, you got to, you know, the hustle, the, the everyday and getting better that, you know, 1% a day, right. And learning and growing. It's not, not going to come to you unless you try and you try hard. Um, but I, I think there are some huge opportunities in real estate and, and people don't, yeah, they don't realize that. And it looks like it's going to happen fast. I talk to a lot of people that think they're going to get rich in real estate overnight and it doesn't happen that way. You know, no. it just doesn't happen. But the thing, the thing that I always say, and like, I've seen it with you just with so many people, it's not overnight, but it's almost a guarantee. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree that like, if you just keep pushing forward in real estate, not that you can't fail, but wouldn't you say that like the odds are stacked in your favor if you're putting the effort behind you? Hundred percent. It just you can't you can't go wrong. And you by that I don't mean that you can't lose money on deals, right? Or or have a bad year or something, right? But if you stick with it, hundred percent, you're gonna succeed. Hundred yeah. percent. I think so too. It's almost the only people I see failing after being around the, the industry for. 17 years or just the people that quit. Yeah. Uh, right. And um, you know, it goes back like if, if I'm saying like what's the overall premise of everything that you've been doing, it's like your mindset is that you're not quitting. Like you said, you no. never thought about quitting <laughs> and you're not going to. So. No, no, for me is you know, what's next? What can we do better? What's something that we can grow into, right? So that's why you know we went from you know, doing a fix and flip to doing, you know, multi and doing ground up new construction and trying the condo conversions, right. And all that stuff. Cause, um, I, I want, I want to find out what's going to work for me and I want to try, it, you know, uh, so right now that multifamily ground up new construction is something that gets me more excited than, than anything, you know, yeah, we'll see I how agree. it goes with that Hyde Park one. Right. But so far, you know, we are, uh, we are pulling a permit this month with the city of Boston and it's been four years in the making. So, <laughs> One one piece of advice on that that we learned the hard way is we I mean, you can do whatever you want, but I don't think Boston is the way to go. You know, you know how challenging Boston specifically is. Yes. Um, and that's why when you see where we're doing stuff, it's not Boston. Although we want I would love to ever have everything in Boston, but they make it a little too hard. It's very challenging. Yeah, but the other thing, Tom, is if you got the right team in place, you know, you you mentioned that a little bit uh, earlier, where you said, you know, you hire professionals that they're going to help you get to the finish line. That's what I realized. It's I, I put together a good team that knows what they're doing. It's taking four years to just get a building permit in hand, right? So that's insane. But yeah. um, they are doing most of the work because they know how to do it. And and you know, we can rinse and repeat. So if this Hyde Park one goes well. We got another one that we're proposing in Hyde Park, a 28 unit, because uh, now we learned the roadmap, you know. So, um, but I agree with you. If I can find something outside the city, it's probably better. Yeah. Well, congratulations on all your success. And I, I apologize to both you and the listeners. Um, I'm at my lake house right now. I've got my four kids. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know if you noticed or not, but I've, I've reshuffled my positioning about 10 times. I've had trying to avoid the kids. <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, I love seeing them, but probably it's not exactly the best uh, setting here right now. I had to take <laughs> my boat out of the water for the, you know, for the final, uh, for the winter. So um, yeah, so I, I appreciate you bearing with me and um, you were a great guest and um, obviously I'll, I'll see you, you know, very shortly. 
Yeah, we got to bring the kids in the podcast next time. Get them, <laughs> get them to say a thing or two. <laughs> yeah, I there was a moment where I almost brought my daughter on because she was behind me mocking me. Um, yeah, so but you know I, no. I I decided against it. So <laughs> thank you. No, this is super exciting. I was looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I'm uh, appreciate the conversation and the invite. All right, thank you. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right, guys, we'll be back again next week with another episode of the Agent Investor Podcast. Thank you for watching. Thanks again for listening to the Agent Investor Podcast. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education, strategies, and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.